change tempo literally in the middle of the countdown. You went three, two, one, go. It's not how counting down works. I don't know what you're talking about. And your comment is dismissed. Um, but lads, you know it's that time of year. And I've been making a, a deck list and checking it twice. And I'm trying to figure out which one of y'all bastards is a filthy control mage and which one of y'all is nice. I think you know the answer to that question, Julian. That's not going to surprise <laughs> Don't you. Don't worry about it. See, Chev, when I control the naughty and the nice list, it doesn't matter if I'm the filthy control bastard. I mean, I'll, give myself, I'll saying... give myself coal. Oh, I was just going to say, maybe you were just saying that, uh, you know, filthy control mages get... Uh, are on the good list this year and that, that nice people get cold. This isn't the upside down, Eric. That's fair. Yeah, Julian, yeah, tell yeah. us well, what this podcast is about. We just, we did just have the stranger Things secret lair, which I'm not going to lie. I was very tempted for this. And the reason I was tempted was this is our, uh, commander white elephant or uh, Yankee swap or a secret Santa. There, there are many different regional variations. No, this, to, but basically, to Two of those are very different than the other one. That's true. Yeah, Yankee Swap and White Elephant are just different events. They're just fully different things. But you can call but we appreciate the, uh, the inclusivity. I've not heard of it. Snowflake. What? My well, parents called that a Chinese like, that auction. Oh. Yeah, I think it's an AWS service. All right, sweet Jesus. Okay, anyway, the thing where you and your friends or family all are randomly assigned a member of that group in secret, only you know who you have, and then you get them a gift, and then you all convene, and you present your gifts, and everyone can see, oh, that's really cool that you got so-and-so, such-and-such, and I'm so happy that this person got me whatever. We did that. this thing <laughs> within, our, we did that within our group, but we, of course, talk about Magic the Gathering on our podcast, so we did uh, a an EDH deck construction for the person that we received and each person had uh had the ability to write down uh two or three bullet points basically saying this is something that i would be interested in so whether that's just i would like a deck that contains green or i would like a deck that is only green i don't know the prompts the prompts ranged in specificity uh which will, will be interesting to see but that is what we did fun fact for those listening, we actually did this last year, and apparently we were on the naughtiest list last year because our the the recording was just absolutely uh, effed to all heaven. So that episode does not exist. So people who have been looking at our back catalog and wonder where is episode six, uh, that's episode six. But we are going to link those decks lists in the description if they still exist. I think they do, but I I might be wrong. So. <laughs> So anyway, we've done this before. This is a, an, technically an annual event for the Hex Drinkers. But, um, yeah. So, happy holidays, so, everybody. Who wants to um, show off their deck first? I want to go first. All right. We <clears> got them all right. here. So, okay, so how does this work? So, am, am I going to say, like, what this person wanted? Am I going to am I gonna reveal? Yeah. Okay. I, I would say start with what the person wanted, and okay. then... Um, Kind Let's of go start with the there. person first yeah. off. That, okay, yeah. nah. you're right. No, nah, make make us make us make us have some anticipation. <laughs> so, so I had Chev. I, I was lucky enough to get Chev. I, I was fine. 
<laughs> uh, <laughs> the anticipation. Is that, is that luck? Chev, is that luck? <laughs> Chev, instead of Chev took a, a little bit of an interesting angle to the uh, the wish list. He said, uh, rather than listing off a few things he wants to go in a single deck, he wants uh, one of two sort of options, and the options were more a bit more specific. Um, so the two things were uh, the first one, which Chev considered easy mode. A green build that doesn't sort of rely on uh, green's more busted uh, aspects, I suppose, you could say. Uh, something that kind of shows off green's uh, other cool elements, like fighting and, you know, I imagine large creatures, resource destruction, etc. Um, so of, when, I, when I saw that, you know, I was like, alright, so what, what's the hard mode, right? Like, I gotta go for the hard mode. And for the um, hard mode, uh, or the, the second option for a deck that you have listed, uh, was uh, a deck that sort of embodies the feel of an ancient civilization, and specifically not just like a Monket, you know, tribal, like a Monket flavor, straight up. Uh, but something with like a very grandiose figurehead, as Chev put it, uh, and a feeling of mysticism. Well... Obviously, being myself, I, I wanted to go for the second option. So I started diving into Magic's uh, lore. Uh, I, I started doing a real deep dive into, into Magic's lore to dig up the coolest um, ancient civilization I could find uh, that wasn't just, like, uh, you know, given the front and center attention uh, in uh, a set of its own. Man was doing his research. That's right. So what I well, came across, PhD. What I came across was, uh, well, I came across a lot of things, but the <laughs> idea I was, I was, I was the most excited about was making a deck uh, all about the Thran, uh, the sort of civilization that existed around like I think five thousand years or whatever. Magic's, you know, calendar. Non-Jesus related counting yeah, system. Yeah, <laughs> AR, whatever AR is. Um, five thousand years or whatever before Urza was alive, uh, which I believe is like the start of the... It's essentially Jesus for magic. That's magic's common era, <laughs> if you will. I was gonna, yeah. Except that was like... He was like, instead of yeah. having like the gospel, the uh, the apostles where they were like, yep. yo, we love Jesus, he's cool. Urza was like, I am super cool. The years now revolve yeah. around me. <laughs> essentially. Um, and so, uh, what... I came, I came across a lot of cool stuff, and I was really, really hell-bent on making a deck about the Thran. I got very... I got a little ways into the deck construction, and I realized that there, in Magic's entire history, are only four Thran citizens printed on Magic cards. <laughs> there's, um... Yawgmoth, obviously. Um... There's Glacian, who I didn't even know was Thran up until now. Uh, his wife, Rebecca, again, didn't know about that. And Rona, disciple of Gix. We don't we don't even have Gix. Like he's not even he's not even around. We, it's just Rona. <laughs> <laughs> um so I couldn't do it. <laughs> I regret <laughs> to say I really, really couldn't do it, and I tried very hard, but the more I did it, the more I strayed away from Thran things, and there, there, there's a lot of Thran, like, I, it's weird because I feel like that appears a lot, it's just like, oh yeah, Antiquities War, and the fall of the Thran, and like, Thran Dynamo. Well, guess what? Thran Dynamo wasn't even 
Wasn't even a Thran thing. It was what Urza made the uh, Metathran in. Metathran? They're they're not the Thran, also, by the way. They're just they're <laughs> oh, the no. blue man group with like <laughs> spiky white oh, hair. My God. Um So I'm putting a pin in this one. I have like half a list right now, and I'm hoping that in the upcoming set, uh the upcoming Brothers War set, we get some more Thran um technology. Or, or Thran-inspired technology, so I can maybe complete this uh, this deck. <clears throat> so, in <laughs> relishing in my failure, I uh, defaulted on the easy mode deck. <laughs> and where I turned to was not the Thran, but the Thrun. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. Uh, please pause here while I post this deck list in our... In our uh, thing, so you can all look at it, because I forgot to do that before, because I suck. Um, Thrun Dynamo. <laughs> so, Thrun is, is, uh, someone, when I, f when I first got into EDH, I thought making Thrun would be a really cool deck, because I hated Julian's counterspells. <laughs> Thrun is <laughs> probably the most naturally resilient uh, creature in the game. He can't be countered. He has hexproof, and you can tap two to regenerate him. Uh, so he can survive a lot of punishment. Uh, there's a couple. He has a couple still, you know, Achilles heels uh, that I'll probably get into as I talk more about the deck. But um, he is very. He, he makes a good candidate for a. Um, Voltron deck, essentially, in my opinion. So this was my solution to Chev's uh, want for a green deck that doesn't just focus on playing out a bunch of big, dumb creatures. You're going to have one dumb creature, and you're going to make him big <laughs> <laughs> by uh, putting a bunch of stuff on him. Uh, so, sp while, while I'm speaking of that, um, we got... Quite a few things here that that we can stick on Thrun to hopefully swing in for some like lethal commander damage. Um, there there are a lot of options in Magic for equipment and enchantments that you can sort of uh, put into a Voltron deck, even in just in mono green. And amongst those, I sort of tried to pick uh, from two categories: the the best ones and the most fun ones, or the ones I think that Chev would most likely put in his own deck. Um, so for the best ones, we've got. Um, the ones that sort of give you the most power and toughness for your buck, which is Ancestral Mask uh, and, like, Black Blade Reforged. And then the ones with the best abilities, like Haunted Cloak, which I think gives you, like, Vigilance, Haste, and Trample, which is just, like, everything that Throne wants. Uh, especially, like, that... Well, Trample, obviously, very good, but Vigilance, too, because you can't get hit on the Crackback. And, of course, some things that give him, like, Lifelink, like Locks on a Warhammer, Shadow Spear, etc. And then, <clears throat> for the most fun... <laughs> um, I, I had a good time uh, with this. Uh, we have Assault Suit, uh, which I, I'm sure Chev already knows what that <laughs> does. Uh, but for those who don't, <laughs> Equipped Creature gets plus two, plus two, has haste, and can't attack you or a Planeswalker you control and can't be sacrificed. Now, why does that matter? Because uh, the second ability on this card is, at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, you may have that player gain control of Equipped Creature till the end of the turn if you do untap it. So everyone gets a turn with Thrun to swing in with Thrun. It, it's great. Um, Dang. Everybody's getting thrown. Hot soup, which is <laughs> equipped creature can't be blocked. Uh, when equipped creature is dealt damage, destroy it. Well, guess what? Thrones got hexproof, so you can't bolt him. 
Uh, and uh, you probably died to a blasphemous act anyways. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, a couple more. Uh, Exponential Growth recently printed from uh, Strixhaven. It is XX and 3 green sorcery for... Uh, until end of turn, double target creature's power X time, so I can see Chev just jumping a ton of mana into this. And of course, since it's Chev, we gotta have Eldrazi's Conscription in there to make Thrun not only huge, but also in Eldrazi with Annihilator. It's been looking for a home. Yep. <laughs> uh, Julie, do you have something? I, I was gonna ask, just because I, I didn't know if this is exactly what you're doing, but Chev's, uh, Chev's prompt was like, build a deck that doesn't like lean into greens like easy mode you know like greens the dumb things green does which for me usually is like ramp and stuff and i just can't help but notice that you have um i don't think any like land ramp spells you have like a few mana dorks in here but i just think it's pretty ambitious that you're trying to go for the drowsy conscription you know in your mono green deck that's not running any ramp so allow me to I explain be clear, i like it okay <laughs> that oh no no no, no. i was I respect the gall of it. <laughs> I just think the, I just think you might be disappointed more often than so not. So the reason for that uh, is that's a, that's a good point. Um, it, I did kind of want to keep it into, in the spirit of not having any land ramp spells in the deck. Uh, I focus only on mana dorks. A because one of uh, the thorn in Thrun's side is, I guess, uh, sack effects and you know a similar uh, sort of thing. So ideally, if you have dorks, you can play. Uh, instead of just getting lands out of your library, you can play the dorks. If someone goes to um, make you sack them, uh, or a sack a creature, then you can sack one of the dorks in its place. Um, that was sort of the idea behind that. And also behind one of the cards, uh, Tajuru Preserver, which makes it so that essentially you can't be forced to sacrifice things. Um, in addition to the like five dorks in, in this deck, though, there are a few more uh, ramp spells i just like to... Uh, point out. Uh, we got Emerald Medallion, of course, for that nice uh, mono green synergy, uh, making all your spells cast a lot less. And also, um, where is it? Uh, Liquid Metal Torque, uh, because I think a mono green deck is a perfect candidate for a uh, for this card. Like mono green and mono red, I think are are perfect because they have a lot of artifact artifact slash enchantment removal. In the case of green, uh, that can be sort of converted into anything removal uh, through this card. I once again always forget that this also just taps for a mana, which is dumb, like in a good way. Like it's, it's, it's a good card, but I always am just like, cause there's another card that does like the same thing, like but it doesn't tap for blessing, mana. I think. Um, like something like coding. Yeah. Yeah. Coding. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, it's just like another version of that. It, but no, it's just two mana, mana rock, which is, I'll play all of those every day. So I stand corrected on that. <laughs> also, I, I'd like to just add a, a few more. I know I've talked these cards up a ton, but Blighted Woodland and Myriad Landscape are essentially just ran free ramp spells uh, in, in any deck that's not super color intensive, slash is running green. Plus, in green, you get uh, the added benefit of being able to run Castle Garenbrig, which, again, is like a ramp spell. And obviously, there's always Temple of the False God, which just taps for two mana. So, yeah. I, th I think we got the ramp covered. Uh, despite despite uh, no ramp spells, which I think was a good uh, middle ground to lean into. Uh, just to cover a few more things quickly before we get Chef's thoughts on this, I guess. Um, card draw, 
in this is mostly in the form of draw equal to a creature you control's power, like Rishkar's expertise, uh, and Return of the Wildspeaker. I thought that was just like a cool way to get card advantage in this deck that's probably got one creature that's going to hopefully stick for the whole game and get huge. Um, the removal is... Uh, the, the removal that's not artifact or enchantment based is mostly fighting based. Um, I guess card to highlight for that is Colony Ambush. Uh, just, uh, you know, a nice little MDFC, instant speed, creature you control fights, target creature you don't control. Hopefully your creature will be the biggest on the battlefield almost all the time. And... That's it? <laughs> oh, right. And the last thing is, I know Chev has a worldly tutor that he's been meaning to put in the deck. So just for that, <laughs> I stuck a worldly tutor in here and some nice um, utility creatures uh, that sort of complement Thrun, such as Silent Arbiter. Uh, no more than one creature may attack each combat. No more than one creature may block each combat. Pretty good. Um, Olvenwald Tracker, which uh, you can tap him and two mana to have target mm -hmm. creature you control fight another target creature. And finally, uh, Dosan the Falling Leaf. Players can only cast spells during their own turns. Dude, I, got, I gotta say, this is this is absolutely <laughs> awesome. Um, I when I originally kind of posted the the idea of a green deck, I was expecting it was kind of based off something I saw on Twitter a while ago, which was like, if you're getting tired with the base things about Magic, like you know, green drawing uh, or, or ramping or blue drawing, like try and think about what other elements are impacted by those effects and so for blue it was like card hand or cards in hand or something like that and for green I, it was like this resource destruction kind of thing so that's kind of what i was expecting and this just blows it out of the park with something that's like really unique and interesting and i i do i do really like the sort of homegrown natural voltron feel especially coming from Ocown, which is like <laughs> gamble on a voltron um win and this is just something that's a little more basic and then especially with a, a limited creature suite that kind of really complements the commander and a complete lack of, of ramp spells at all is, I think, a super interesting kind of place to explore with this kind of deck. And it's exactly what I would have, you know, wanted to see out of it. And I, I think one of the things I really like about this kind of Secret Santa we do is, you know, you come up and you, you see other people's takes on these things or cards that they would include that you wouldn't. And I, I, I've been pushing for Liquid Metal Torque and Artifact Removal in red forever, but I never would have thought of it in green you know just just because there are like two or three more options in green um i it never occurred to me but then having all these things like pairing it with your croson grip so it's just split second um destruction of something or your nature's claim or all those things it's just absolutely awesome and then especially seeing the work that Uvenwald tracker has put in with my hepatra deck seeing it another um place for it is awesome I, I, I love the, the feel of it. I, I really can't wait to kind of drive it tomorrow, um, especially with all these sort of like underutilized equipments as well. Like we've got the Dark Steel plate and the Commander's plate, but things like the Fleet Feather Sandals that just get flying in haste or the, uh, um, the Strata Scythe, which is like a really cool sort of, not necessarily Black Blade Reforge, but like one of the older ones and kind of capitalizing on a, a cheaper version of the same effect. So... Overall, I think this is a, a slam dunk what I would have wanted, and I can't wait to make Julian sacrifice a board with Thrun connected to Eldrazi Constriction. <laughs> Especially because I remember Thrun was a card Julian got like way back in the day. 
Um, really? Uh, I don't even. Yeah, yeah. That. He bought a That's copy true. from uh, yeah. the local, yeah. local <laughs> store. Nice. It was like a dollar. I, rare, I believe right? I still. Like, I, I do not think like you spent. I think it was like thirteen dollars. It was like kind of nuts. No, it was still it's four bucks. It was now. still like very expensive, but kind of like Oak was saying. I just saw Throne and I was like, "Oh, this is the homie. Yep. Like, I like this card." And I, I think I had like some trading credit or something, but yeah, I, I got one, and it's, it's just a cool card. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love to see Throne getting some love. Chev, you're not gonna hit me with the Eldrazi conscription though. I know you're just gonna disrespect me with the Colossification. Oh, for the, sure. The yeah. seven, and if you the give seven me the mana, chance, enchanted I'm do it. creature gets plus twenty, plus twenty mm-hmm. for just for no reason. <laughs> I, and, I love Colossification. It's, yeah, it's a, so good. That and then the even like the the slightly smaller what is it the prodigious growth, the six mana gets plus seven plus seven in its trample, is pretty solid. Yeah, well that one gives trample. Classification is not good right, trample. Right. Prodigious growth does, which also that will put thrown in an eleven, which is a two hit kill. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually know prodigious growth was a card, but that's that's kind of sick. I I like the notably prodigious growth also does not tap the creature, which classification yeah. does. That as well. Yeah. Well, I mean it's so it's so big that it's. You know, it falls. It takes over a minute to get when going it, when it gets in. Yeah, it's got to get it, get itself together. Two, uh, three cards I want to point out from this that Oakley didn't that I think are are really cool to see is Predatory Impetus and Vow of Wildness as two of them, kind of leaning into that assault suit idea of you can put them on your creature or or an opponent's creature and it basically they can't attack you but it buffs them in some way. Uh, Predatory Impetus is the more recent one that uses the goad mechanic of uh, must be blocked and is like consistently having to fight. I really like seeing those and something that has shown up in a couple of our pauper games that I think is a really, really good fit here. Predatory Hunger, um, I think showed up in one of Eric's decks and one of Oak's decks and kind of made its way around of whenever an opponent successfully casts a creature, put a 1-1 counter on Enchanted Creature. And since the run is so hard to remove, it gives a lot of these uh, enchantments and stuff a, a much longer lifespan, I think. And so 10 out of 10, I... I love this, and I, I will definitely be trying to to play it and kind of mold it in some way. So, so thank you, thank you, Oakley, for making me a, a happy man. Absolutely, those three cards you just mentioned were all on the include for Chev list specifically. <laughs> and yeah, I, I'm I'm glad you pointed out the sort of like side utility of oh, you can put predatory impetus on Throne if you just want to give him plus three plus three, or you can you know stick it on opponent's creature if it's like giving you some trouble or something like that stick it on an ur dragon or something like yeah, that yeah you know yeah you know I'll, I'll <laughs> you don't want to you don't want to hit him with the song of the dryad so just make it a little strong yeah <laughs> why not he's a hungry boy you gotta 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 keep the ur dragon well fed so uh, i i guess i'll i'll jump in from there um and and kind yeah, of go into we can just uh go around the circle yeah we'll go around um so in, uh, instead of saying the name first i'm gonna say unlike you know the the really the really verbose paragraphs that i gave oakley trying to think like you know what what is the headspace what is the feel of uh what i was really trying to embody and and he took it in an amazing direction i i was given three words to begin with and then i had to ask for clarification the first was just unspeakable symbol and the second was white i didn't i didn't know unspeakable symbol referred to a card so i had to ask like but what do you mean Unspe- like is this the unspeakable from kamigawa like wh- what is this symbol like something you can't say and then it got edited to say you know like the card i thought it was interesting and of course uh for those of you who who know unspeakable symbol is not a white card so already we're looking at a base <laughs> ortsov uh it's a it's it's a black card so i was trying to think and the person i got is julian so I was trying to think, what could Julian possibly want to do with 1-1 counters? Like, one, they, they change creatures. 
Julian's not a big creature guy. So what can I do that that's interesting in this space? Um, so before I reveal the deck list and, and the, the commander behind it, I want to kind of walk you guys through the process that I, I kind of went behind. Because having just come out of a, a Humza build, the $30 sort of budget build I've been working with, there's been a lot of really interesting things printed in the last few years that interact with 1-1 counters besides my creature is big. So as soon as I, I saw the hint, oh, it's a card, looked up the card, realized, and for those of you who don't know, it's a three mana enchantment, um, pay three life, put a 1-1 counter on target creature. So the first thing I was thinking of is the card from Modern Horizons 2, Constable of the Realm. Constable of the Realm is a five mana, I think four or four, uh, with Renown 2. But the second ability is whenever one or more 1-1 one, one counters are put on Constable of the Realm, exile target creature you don't control. Uh, exile up to one other target non-land permanent until Constable of the Realm leaves the battlefield. And I was like, that sounds like something Julian would really enjoy. We're talking about using this resource in an interesting way, and we're basically paying three life to Oblivion Ring whatever we want at you know whatever rate we can. So I was thinking, okay, I think this is something cool here. We can use this unspeakable symbol kind of like a uh, choose your own adventure or, or giving the idea of options. So I, I kind of ran with that. Like we've got Constable of the Realm, Fertilid, you know, you're paying the three life whenever you need to ramp an additional card. Um, Generous Patron, since unspeakable symbol doesn't require it to be on your own creature, you could see this as a, okay, my, my opponent has this 1-1 one, one chump. Um, I can put a 1-1 one, one counter on it, pay three life, draw a card. Like, it's not the ideal rate, but you have that ability available to you. Um, and then the last thing I was thinking of was Persist Creatures and a Sack Outlet. So if you've got something like a Kitchen Finks, uh, you're paying three life, you put a 1-1 one, one counter, you sack it, you get two mana, and you can kind of use that to, to a certain extent. And none of these are, you know, one-hit combos, but they are interesting to kind of play around with. Or Woodfall Primus. Uh, and that, that kind of led me, definitely, we kind of want to do something with green, something ridiculous. So without further ado... I will show you all what I came up with. And that is a deck focused around Tyam Luminous Enigma. Now, Tyam is one of the cards from the um, Ikoria, so C20 decks. Uh, and it's a 4-mana 3-3 Legendary Nightmare Beast. With the text, each other creature you control enters the battlefield with an additional Vigilance counter on it. And then you can pay 3, remove 3 counters from among creatures you control... Put the top three cards of your library into your graveyard, then return a permanent card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So even on its own, I was thinking with Unspeakable Symbol, you can kind of utilize this sort of loop of whenever a creature enters the battlefield, it already has a Vigilance counter on it. You know, you put a couple 1-1 one -one counters on whatever, and then you can recur whatever piece, because even though you can only take the counters from creatures, you can return any permanent card with a converted mana cost three or less. So, you know, that's going to get back your unspeakable symbol when it dies. It's going to get back your uh, fetch lands, you know, if you need a little extra mana. There's a lot of utility here that can kind of use that card. Uh, so then I, I really wanted to get into the, the deck building of it. And Julian has told me before that one of his favorite decks of mine is Hepatra. Uh, this sort of like, it's, it's pretty aggressive it has a couple combos, but it like it forces people to kind of interact in different ways. So going in with that, I made this a a syner very synergistic deck with two key combos. The combos are a, a pretty generic class. Like the they one is Tyam plus Ashnod's Altar. 
plus weapon craft enthusiast. And another one is the same loop, but with Hallowed Spirit Keeper. Now, the, the condition for both of these is the same, and that on their uh, entering the battlefield or death, they create two tokens, um, which then, of course, enter with Vigilance counters. And so you can use that plus mana generated from Ashnod's Altar to just recur the creature over and over again, and then end the game with something like a Zelport's Cutthroat or a Bastion of Remembrance. Both of which happen to be non-land permanents with converted mana cost three or less. So there's a lot of resilience in here as well. Um, and this can also be applied to other things like Luminous Broodmoth, which we saw in Ikoria puts a flying counter on something after it dies and comes back. Remove the flying counter on it, just like you could with Persist cards, and you kind of have an unending uh, recurrable loop. Uh, something else I was kind of playing with but couldn't really get into a, a less wordy description is like a Good Fortune Unicorn or an Ivy Lane Denison that adds a 1-1 counter on entry plus branching evolution or winding conscriptor that, you know, makes it a second 1-1 counter. And then Tyam means every creature you play is going to enter with three counters on it automatically. So then you it's really just about how much mana you have. And so trying to think of all the different ways these cards could play together where no matter what your board state is, you can do some really cool shit. Um, just, I, I think I, I mentioned these before, but some of the coolest things I thought were that a lot of the cards in this deck are going to be under that three mana restriction, so you can get back whatever you're missing. Uh, I really like the idea of fetch lands for ramp idea. Uh, so there's the Fable Passage of the Evolving Wilds because you can just get all these back whenever you need them. And I think the, the most disgusting card in here that will cause the most problems if this deck sees play is Animate Dead and the like. Non-land permanent, under three, keep bringing it back. It's It cannot be stopped. Now, with, with Tyam being so key to the the deck, uh, there needs to be some resiliency as well. So we've got the classic equipment, um, the Lightning Greaves in here, and a couple uh, other things. But since Julian is at this deck, I wanted to give it a little bit of a, a Julian kick, which means something that pisses us off, which means counterspells. This is an Abzan deck, so it's running Withering Boon and Lapse of Certainty. Now, these aren't the best counterspells by any means, but you're not going to expect the Lapse of Certainty, um, especially on a game-winning play, and it just kind of gets in there and hits that, that spot that Julian really likes to hit. Uh, that's, that's kind of like the key of the deck, I would say. And then the rest of it has been really tailored to things that I think Julian would really enjoy. Some of the big ones here are Heliod Suncrowned, uh, recently coming off, you know, an amazing brawl presence and <laughs> really annoying brawl presence. I was there. Uh, also I was there. costing three I had mana. a Heliod deck. Um, Guardian of Faith, which is something that was introduced to me recently, but helps with that resilience angle. That's from uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realm. Three mana, three two, flash vigilance, enters the battlefield, any number of other target creatures you control phase out. So a quick like scoop them out of there to, in response to a board wipe or something like that. Uh, Fell Stinger. Another three-mana card Julian really liked and a repeatable draw since it can exploit itself. You know, you can just keep drawing cards for however much you have. Uh, Citadel Siege. He mentioned the Citadel Siege or the Siege Cycle in one of our things. And I think my favorite tech for this deck actually comes from um, uh, Selenia, that old uh, Orzo sort of just like life manipulation deck I had. And that's Tainted Sigil. So if we're really using Unspeakable Symbol, we're going to be losing a lot of life to do it. Three mana for each 1-1 one, one counter. But with Tainted Sigil, you can bring it back as many times as you want and just gain all the life you lost. And it's just a, a way to keep recurring these awful play patterns that the rest of us will have to enjoy. 
That's actually I love disgusting. that card. In yeah, that's super. It's <laughs> it, it. It was my favorite. It really solidified. It was one of the first cards I thought of outside of like the three that I mentioned at the beginning, and then I think it just kind of went from there. And lastly, uh, I, I wanted to make it as Abzan as possible. Since this isn't a color combo that Julian plays a lot, I wanted to give him the opportunity to kind of run some of these more interesting cards. So Mythos of Nethroi is in there as a three mana, just destroy non-land permanent. Um, Murmuring Bosk. Good control card. Yeah. Murmuring Bosk, which is like that weird three type land in here as well. And Painful Truths, because that's just a fun, quirky effect where you pay three different types of mana, you get to draw three cards. So I also wanted to include a couple ideas to to really um, think of different directions you could take this, because this is a, a base and... For those of you, well, none of you know because the episode was lost, uh, but I also got Julian last year and I, I put together an idea for a, a Flash-based deck with one of the Commander Legends uh, commanders. So, and Which I taken still that, run an incarnation of, right. by the way. So he, he molded into kind of his own. So I wanted to give a couple paths if that's the, the path he chooses to take. If you want to go for a degeneracy route, you have something like Netherborn Altar, um, which allows you to... It's one of those commander-only cards. It... You tap it, you add a soul counter to it, you put your commander from the commands onto your hand, lose three life. If you've got a way to get rid of artifacts, this is a less than three mana artifact. You can keep recurring it and hopefully keep get keep getting uh, your commander for its cost. Uh, if you if that way is like a little too much, you can go for the one one counters because again we're trying to get as many counters as possible. Maybe proliferate. I didn't explore that too much in this. Something like a sword of truth and justice. Again, a recurrable piece that just adds counters to everything. Or you want to capitalize on Tyam, not specifying non-token creatures getting Vigilance counters. Because that's not even something we've talked about, that all your creatures have Vigilance even after Tyam dies. And something like Curse the Restless Dead, a new curse. Whenever in a, whenever a cursed opponent plays a land, make a 2-2 Decayed. So just make an army of those. You have a bunch of counters to choose from, and you can keep bringing this back. So that's the pitch. Uh, the deck... Price is currently sitting at a cool $700, but it's actually $300. You see, for Julian, I went in and I tried to find the most expensive copy of each one of these cards. <laughs> or if they had a secret layer printer. Bro. So we've got okay. the $30 Assassin's Trophy secret layer, the $16 Beast Within secret layer that he's going to be getting. Um, the most expensive lands I could find that were within reason. Um, because that has been a push of his recently and just went through to find any alternate version I could. So I managed to double the price of this deck just to make it more more of a, a Julian's kind of thing. <laughs> you went with the uh, AFR Evolving Wild instead of the, the Bob Ross Evolving Wilds. I thought about it. I thought this was more janky. And, and <laughs> I, wanted to I actually freaking that. love the AFR lands. I have the, the, the rare creature lands in my, in my Esper deck. Oh my god, okay. So many things to say. First off, Chev, wonderful job. Absolutely love it. I don't know if you were watching my face in the Discord call while you were going through, but like, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, my prompts were a combination of um, trying to play uh, basically just things out, outside of my comfort zone. I was like, I know that I will not get into the right space to brew a deck properly because these are things that I don't normally gravitate towards. So I was like, someone please force me. Uh, this is, once again, this has got me there. But um, yeah, I was like, Unspeakable Symbol is a interesting way to do like basically a counters deck 
which is normally like a like an Eric's domain, really. Um, but I mean, you've you've hit it like the 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 uh, like the looping in the value train of just the sack outlets or other things. Um, Citadel Siege, I love uh, Ashnod's Altar, uh, all these things. You've just kind of hit the right spot of this is a counters deck, but it also you know has the combo finish has the control elements has just a bunch of my favorite cards in here um and also the the great thing is honestly a lot of these cards are things that i've seen y'all do so i so i understand the power and i understand the lines it's just i've never actually had them in my hands before i saw the withering boon and damn near lost it i, <laughs> I was about to i was about to stop recording i had it i had to take a minute um and also i do appreciate the i was looking through and i was like this man really just just pulled all the the promo versions and super layer <laughs> versions for me, uh, which after looking through like two sections, I was like, "Oh, this is this is intentional." But I I love it. Also, painful truths. I that's a card people don't play. Like that's that's a card I probably should talk about in our next chill picks because that's I'll, yeah. I'm, I love that card. I'm super hyped to play this deck. Um, it's also very nicely, like lo pretty low to the ground since it's got that that three CMC kind of uh, condition on Tyam, which I like because one of my one of the biggest things for me is that I've tried to have been trying to slowly bring the CMC of my decks down just because I'm like I just want to always be able to play my spells, especially in decks that aren't. I mean, obviously this is playing green, um, and there <laughs> are some ramp cards in here. There are some ramp cards in here, but like you know, in my, in my Chromium deck where there's not really like true ramp cards. And I, you know, a lot of my finishers are like seven mana. Sometimes I'm like, Oh, I just can't play this card. I don't have the mana. So I, I like the, the trending down, um, of the spells and also the recursiveness so that if something dies, I can, I can reutilize it just in case I'm not drawing as many cards as a blue mage would want to, you know? So love the deck. Excellent. Can't wait to play it. And, um, I don't know. I mean, hope, hopefully this becomes another Nimrus where I just, I tweak it a little bit and actually becomes part of, part of the, uh, the normal rotation. Also, I do own a lot of these cards. So maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe that, this, that maybe definitely helps inspired a little bit, knowing that you have the assassin's trophy and that you did buy the, the, uh, movie monster posters for the beast within uh, that, that really like between those two, I was like, okay, I can really get these out. And then since it is the promo version, you can kind of look at them and be like, do I care enough about this art to purchase it? Uh, since it would be like the work you have to do already precisely the one that you have to get in this promo version though because you can't get the other one or i just won't acknowledge it on the battlefield is glacial chasm um which i is, did not even realize glacial chasm was in this deck there's two <laughs> cards in <laughs> here spicy. with cumulative upkeep originally i was like oh this is perfect for tyam i realized it doesn't work but they also are under the three thing th threshold so pay a little life no one can attack you then just bring it back and reset the counter the other one is elephant grass <laughs> Oh, yo, Elephant Grass is a spicy card. Wasn't that wasn't that reserve list or is that not? It is not. List? Oh, jeez. All right. I was wondering what that was I, doing I, in here. That, that's a cool one. I like the the bringing it back. Yeah, I didn't even think of the uh, the like. Oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. That we sack this to cumulative upkeep or whatever because we just get it back. Just I mean, if only we back. were playing blue. If only we were playing blue, we had some Mystic Remora. When when you first started talking about all this, I was like, Atrexa? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I wouldn't be mad. No, you know, I definitely wanted we something a little you, interesting. Yeah, if we were doing this, but we did a little blue stuff in there too, I wouldn't be mad. But this is this is just this is gorgeous. This is 
This is doing it for me. So thank you, sir. One thing that I, I really quickly wanted to note that I thought was very interesting was with the persist creatures like Kitchen Finks and Woodfall Primus and stuff, uh, like, Tyam just says, remove three counters. So the minus one, minus one counters can absolutely go as a part of that, and I think that mm -hmm. that will not be an uncommon event to see if this deck makes it uh, into a regular play loop. So I think that will be a little toxic. Just like, well, nope, we're not done with this Woodfall Primus. I mean, one even, more before <laughs> Tyam, even before Tyam, Good Fortune Unicorn... You get that on the battlefield, a sack outlet and woodfall primus, and then we're all screwed. <laughs> oh, for sure. There's a lot that can go wrong, but even if Julian's just out there like, you know what, I think I'll swing with woodfall primus again this turn. Mm -hmm. Okay, my options are take six or block it, and then Julian draws some cards and uh, destroys the thing. Like, this is going to be <laughs> ugly. Jim, I think you accidentally just made some anti-Hepatra tech with this deck. Uh, you better hope Julian doesn't catch on to it too much, because <laughs> you can remove your own 1-1 counters that Hepatra, or sorry that didn't come out right if Jeff puts a patch <laughs> um you know never mind you'd figure do, do it you out. want me to say it because I know what no. you mean okay <laughs> we'll leave this to the viewer. yeah I got you I see you I see you I've been telling Chev he needs to play that deck more we haven't seen it in a while it just got resleeved I, I got really like some deck. uh some hex trigger sleeves last night oh all right all right all right she's ready she's ready maybe we'll see her over the holiday break that's sick. I did notice though, Chev. Where's my uh, where's my walking blister for my Heliod? What's what's up with that? I don't. Need There's that. already enough degenerate things in here. I it didn't need another one. <laughs> That's fair. You enough. can also, also just I think add it. Walking blister is like a right. I wanted I think it's like a, I wanted to leave yeah. some room for buildability too, which is also why like I had those different ideas for where to kind of take it because I knew that you you can't give Julian a fully functional deck. And then be like, play it. If it's if it's the premium in whatever move uh, area it's trying to kind of get to, you need to give it some space to kind of be molded. So I know that about probably a tenth of these cards Julian's looking at is like, that's nice. I'm gonna take it out after I play this deck once. Cool idea. It's gonna be gone. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm interested to see how these planeswalkers play. We we did not even mention that this this deck has uh, two planeswalkers, which are the the zombie uh, Comic Con promos or something like that. Which is, yeah, all right. So Nissa, Voice of Zendikar, and Liliana, The Last Hope. Julian had once mentioned um, wanting to see more Planeswalkers or a little bit. And I thought, okay, these two are relatively low-powered. Um, but if they get removed, you can just bring them back. So that's why they're at that three-mana cap. And especially with Nissa, Voice of Zendikar, the minus two ability puts a 1-1 one -one counter on everything you control. It's exactly what this deck wants to be doing. A little bit more card draw, making creatures. When you put a plant onto the battlefield, it enters with a uh, Vigilance counter, just like we would want, and, you know, go from there. All right. I'm going to stop gushing about this deck. We're going long. Uh, it's my turn. And my prompts were uh, more more in the vein of Chev's, where it's like, hey, here's, here's some ideas, um, as opposed to here are some words. Um, figure it out. Um... My first, I had, I had two prompts that were, this is a deck idea. And then I had a third prompt, which I don't know if this was just also, please do this maybe, but, um, that one said cool art, which <laughs> I'm more of a functionality of the deck kind of guy. And, and we've had a, this conversation and, and Eric, uh, the person I, I drew, uh, 
does not purchase secret layers. So I don't know if I can help him there. Um, but the other two are mainly what I was deciding between. And uh, one of them said Bant control need a consistent win con at the end uh, can be fish. Uh, Thassa's Oracle, of course, which I, I, for a second, I was like, wow, it's, it's very fortunate of Eric that he, he asked the control mage to build him a control deck, but I actually didn't decide to go with that just because I didn't want to tell Eric, oh, here's all the most efficient, uh, removal and, and draw spells. <laughs> and, he, and also here is insert, you know, generic fish combo. It basically feel, I would basically just be building him a CDH deck, uh, like, a uh, a, a, uh, Thrasios and Timna, but just minus the black. Uh, I, did, I, I felt that was a, a little bit too on the nose. So I went with the other option, which also happens to be topical given our conversations last week. And that is, is it aggro? Which he said can be high speed spell slinger, storm, or actual beats. I just want to go fast. <laughs> so I present to you this list, which I have lovingly entitled the blue and red blur gotta go fast which is a uh, a reference to sega's most uh famous property for those of you who uh, don't know so this is a a spell slinging deck uh i'm not qualified enough i would say to to build a truly is it properly creature aggro deck although i did i did I, the longest time for me was just deciding on what the commander was because is it is not something that i i normally build with um and there's just so many different options in terms of like, we're going to do spell slinging things. Like I very early in our play, play, uh, play group, I had a Mizzix, uh, of the is Magnus deck for a bit, which I converted into a Melek, uh, deck. And then I <laughs> converted to a pile like of I, cards. <laughs> yeah. Converted to, uh, I'm going to sell these cards. Um, a pile of I'm money. Sure I took the like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but the, 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 for the longest time I was trying to, I, I was looking at like a, an Adelie's the Cinderwind deck because that was like, oh, this is do a little bit of spell slinging, but it's also basically uh wizard beats. Um, so more traditionally aggro, which, you know, Eric likes to attack with creatures. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll help him out there. But eventually I was like, ah, it's a little too one dimensional for me. I couldn't think of a, anything super interesting. Um, in terms of other than just it's wizard aggro. I also was looking at Agar the Freezing Flame, uh, which is a, a semi-giant tribal plus uh, overkill damage with instants and sorceries which draw you cards, um, which seemed a little bit more mid-rangey to me um, overall. So uh, ultimately, I settled on the commander of Teferi. <laughs> and by that, I mean Vadric Astral Archmage, uh, who literally, literally looks the same as Teferi. <laughs> Um, but he is actually, he's from Midnight Hunt. He has won a red and a blue for a legendary creature, human wizard one, two. Uh, when he comes in, he makes it day. Um, if it's not already day or night. So it already is introducing the day night cycle, uh, which gives inherent card advantage, which is cool. And we are going to be playing a lot of things at instant speed. So we can kind of, uh, you know, mess with that as we need to adjust that. And then, um, he also gives a cost reduction mechanic, which we know is broken. Um, Mizzix was the thing, um, Mizzix is a little bit too much of a lightning rod, in my opinion, and also she costs four, so that's why I did not choose her. But uh, instance and sorcery spells uh, Eric will cast will cost one less to cast where X is Vadric's power, and of course you can uh, modulate that because whenever day becomes night or night becomes day, you get to put a one-one counter on him. So Eric, we already got we got the counters for you. Let's go. That's also part of the reason I chose Vadric was just be we're just getting counters, <laughs> you know. So plus day night is nice inherent card advantage, and of course cost reduction mechanic we want to be casting a lot of instance of sorcery so vagic is our commander um but really this deck is focused around gutter type 
type creatures because Eric wants to go fast. He wants to uh, deal a lot of damage to his opponents, ideally at least 40 so that they will lose the game. <laughs> but why would we waste our time attacking when we can just spell sling and basically make that our red zone? So um, gutter snipe, for those who don't know, two in a red, two, two. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, gutter snipe deals two damage to each opponent. We have a number of uh, cards like this. Um, Firebrand Archer, uh, Kessig Flame Breather, Thermo Alchemist, Weaver of Lightning. Um, one, of, one of the new ones that's actually pretty cool is a Lamholt Raconteur, which is a, a werewolf technically. Um, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, so we do have a number of artifacts and enchantments in this deck as well, uh, this deals one damage to each opponent. And then when it flips, it does the same thing, but it'll deal two. So we have a number of those cards that as we are spell slinging and going through our deck, we are incurring one or two, or sometimes even three if we're talking about something like an Iron Crag Pyromancer. Did I put this in the thing? Yeah. Okay. You no, I'm, I'm looking at it. For Some a second, reason. I thought I might have I might have just been like talking out of my ass, and you guys were like, I, <laughs> I don't know what these cards are. Um, I apologize. Yeah. So so that that is what we're doing with oh electrostatic field, another great one. So all of those, and then we have a bunch of other cards that obviously care about us casting spells. Archmage Emeritus, whenever you cast or or copy an instant or sorcery, which we have a little bit of, uh, draw a card. So that will continue to feel us through. Uh, Burgy God of Storytelling is notorious for being broken um uh gives you a, a red mana anytime you cast a spell um and then also the backside uh gives you some sort of card advantage i'm not going to take the time to actually flip it over and read it because moxfield um oh plus leer disciple the drown giving all your spells uh flashback so we're gonna be casting a lot of spells but i had to help eric out and it turns out there's actually a few spicy dragons who care about you casting spells so i knew i had to put those boys in there too uh, we got, uh, and also a lot of these came from just these last few sets. Um, Moonvale Regent, uh, whenever you cast a spell, you may discard your hand. Probably not going to do that many times, but you know, if you, if you just happen to like throw your whole hand out, uh, and then draw a card for each of those spells colors. So draw one or two depending. And then when it dies, it can deal X, um, depending on number of colors. Moonvale Regent, very cool. Also just efficient four, four fire, uh, Maniform Hellkite, uh, which was discussed in our prime picks, I believe by eric yeah. i believe <laughs> um whenever you cast a non-creature spell you get a you basically get a like a, a token a flying haste token that will um exile at end of turn uh, and then smoldering egg which when it flips once again every time you cast deals two damage except this you can target anything which is six so you can start picking off um you know mana dorks and, and utility creatures and stuff so we're playing a bunch of those creatures that basically say hey cast spells so we can deal damage or cast spells so we can get a little bit more of um advantage now of course we're running a bunch of spells uh eight sorceries 28 instants uh, most of these are either removal so things like pongify reality shift um lightning axe lightning bolt uh card draw so behold the multiverse consider dig through time um uh, anticipate all classics and then of course counter spells to make sure that no one is killing our dragons uh rewind saw it coming actual factual counter spell and um one of, one, of, one of the other things that i leaned into eric on this is that we're actually running uh not i would say the optimal amount of lands we're running a clean 30 lands <laughs> to be fair our, our mana curve is is fairly fairly low our, our mana curve with lands is uh or no sorry without lands is 2.8 which is pretty low um but we're running a clean 30 lands, but we're actually technically running 34 lands because we got a bunch of MDFCs in there. 
So things like Solindi Vision, things like uh, Seagate Restoration, Shadowshell Smashing. Um, so we have enough mana sources, um, but I, I don't know. Eric, I got I to gotta jab a little fun at you. But I mean, I think this deck can probably pull it off just because the curve is so low and we are just drawing so many cards. And then um, lastly, just a few like kind of spicy cards that I really like. Um, things like Double Vision, three red, red, whenever you cast your first instant or sorcery spell each turn, notably each turn. So if you cast an instant on an opponent's turn, it copies it as well. Uh, this copies that spell. You may choose new targets. Um, and Sorcerer Class, which uh, Faithless Lootings when it enters, um, when you level it up, creatures can tap for red or blue to spell to cast instant sorceries. And when you level it up to the third level, uh, whenever you cast a spell, um, you can deal damage to each opponent equal to the number of instant and sorcery spells you cast this turn. Same thing with Sentinel Tower does that same thing. Uh, Sphinx Bone Wand is an artifact that you just continually build up counters on it as you cast instants and sorceries, and every time you do, it deals that much damage. And of course, a Primal Amulet, which reduces your um, instant sorcery spell cost, and then when it flips, uh, it allows you to double your instants and sorceries. I will say, Eric, I did not put Caster Time or Galvanic Relay in this. I wanted to, I wanted to <laughs> but... <laughs> That's entirely fine. Galvanic Relay being a source. I said that's entirely fine. Those aren't that... Yeah. Those cards are not as good as this deck. I really... But I'm not going to lie. When I when I decided on that, I was like, oh, Eric was just talking about these. These are sick cards. I was like, let me try and put them in there. But when when I established that we're only running 30-ish lands um, and also the fact that we're playing so much at instant speed, uh, these just did not feel like uh, they fit in the deck. But I, as you are welcome to do... Uh, and as ever, everyone obviously is welcome to do, uh, if you update this, uh, maybe put in some more mana sources, uh, maybe go for a slightly uh, bigger over-the-top thing, definitely put Caster Time in. And if you go for a more um, stormy kind of thing, Galvanic Relay is, is certainly one. One card that I wanted to talk about just because it's so sick, and the only reason it's not in the deck is because, like I said, we're not, we're not really trying to necessarily attack, but Thunderblade Charge. One, sick name. Two, sick art. A future sight card, so it's it's weird looking. One red red deals three damage to target creature or player, so that's fine. But it says whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, if Thunderblade charges in your graveyard, you can play two triple red, and then you can cast it without paying its mana cost. So this is a way to just continually have damage out of the graveyard, which I really liked in terms of like the the longevity of it. But we're just I don't think we're going to be attacking with our, you know, our goblin electromancer anytime soon. <laughs> why not? Um, so, because people will block that shit in a heartbeat. That's why. You're right. So, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I there's like a few cards in I left in the sideboard just because I I think once again I I channeled Eric where I I didn't know which cards to properly cut, so I just cut more lands. Um, but there's there's things to be considered in in the sideboard as well. Um, just more cost reducers or things that say. Uh, as you cast spells, you get to deal damage. Like Relic Am Amulet is pretty cool. Shrine of Burning Rage. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much the deck. Uh, there's nothing too spicy other than the few things that I mentioned, but I definitely think it's uh, outside of Eric's wheelhouse enough that it will be uh, a nice change of pace. Hope I would, I would, I would hope it's a nice change of pace. Yeah, uh, I want to say immediately, I'm very excited about this deck. I think it's super interesting. Uh, like spell slinger kind of decks are something that has always been interesting to me 
and it's very cool to see uh, how you approach this and, like, where you come from in terms of how to build this and stuff. Uh, because, like, Swingspawn Wand is a card I probably never would have found because I would, just would have looked up Aetherflux Reservoir, slammed it in there, um, probably grabbed Sentinel Tower, and then been like, that's enough of that. Um, <laughs> so it, it's very cool to see, uh, like, other cards in deeper cuts that I probably would not have acknowledged. And then also to see sort of, like, where the cuts come for you between sort of some of these smaller cards like uh unwind and rewind are two cards that you know i i genuinely probably would have thrown in this deck originally but i think that uh a lot of the deck choices that you've made uh are just or you kept rewinding but did not keep unwinding and i think that that's a, a good decision looking at the list and I, I just i like a lot of the picks you've made and to clarify the art thing it was mostly just I, I should have been more specific about this, but it legitimately was just like, hey, like, build whatever deck you're going to build, and then just, like, go through all the art arrows and be like, this is a cool-looking art for this, and that's about <laughs> oh, it. Oh, shoot. All right. Uh, okay. So what should Well, I... Yeah. I, I like <laughs> to, uh, Jeez. As much as I, I really don't buy secret layers, I like to, like, be aware of all the cool art and magic, and... Like, I, I'm very on the border of, like, actually purchasing some of it, and so uh, having a deck that I knew I could make really pimped out would be would be a good jumping-in point for me, I think. But, yeah, I, I love this deck, and I, I really enjoy a lot of the decisions you made as a part of it. I think that it's got a lot of... It's got a lot of big Timmy energy without being a creature deck, and that's what I like about it. Like, it's got, like, a lot of big X spells and a lot, a lot of big... Uh, like man ideas, like Shatter All Smashing, Seagate Restoration. There's there's a top end to the deck, and I like that even in like a relatively low to the ground spell slinger deck. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, even though it's technically not a creature deck, there's still 20 creatures, and like I said, we've got these these big dragons and stuff. So, you know, you can you can still be doing the thing, but you just want to be casting spells as well. Also, I feel I feel the need to mention that I did include the. Uh, the Ral Storm Conduit. I was going to point uh, that like out. Infinite Copy combo. <laughs> yeah. I was, those, those, those three were like cards that were like right on the edge. And I was like, I got to include a combo, right? I got it. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad For you Eric. did. Yeah. <laughs> because to me, that was something where I saw Ral and I was like, oh, that'll be good in this deck. And then I saw Expansion Explosion. And I was like, that'll be good in this deck. And they'll be great together. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like, I... I think maybe the one weakness of this deck is if you like ever get slowed down or people just like kind of kill your gutter snipes and stuff, you can uh, maybe get a little bogged down. So having that kind of backup was like, I felt it was necessary. So yeah, no, I appreciate that. I really like this deck. I'm excited to try it out. I think this deck is sweet. That I'm, I'm excited to lose to this deck. Honestly, <laughs> I'm excited to take two over and over and over and over and over again. So uh, I, there, there's two cards that were really burning on my mind as we kind of went through this. Um, one, I think, would be a really cool inclusion with Vadric, since it kind of cares about power. Heraldic Banner, or Heraldic Banner, however you would pronounce that. Give creatures of a certain color, plus one, plus oh, mana rock. All your spells now cost one more less. <laughs> um, but also something that I think some people mm. might not be aware of, but it's being reprinted in the uh, the coin flip secret layer is a three mana blue tutor that puts a card uh like three down in your deck um 
if you're running a combo in a color like blue or red, there's gamble in this deck. Uh, there's a cup. There's obviously tons of ways to card draw, but something like that can help you actually make sure you get the right piece. Barring a shuffle. Is that um long-term plans? Yeah, I believe that's it. I know I mentioned this in our uh, our spoiler vi- or our uh, prime picks for uh, the man. I can't I can't even remember the name already of it. The werewolves uh, set that just yeah, came yeah. out. <laughs> man, I, thank you. Uh, Thing in the ice is a card I'm I'm super glad to see included in here because it's a great like mm-hmm. life insurance card in this type of deck. And yeah, I mean I. I'll just stop there in terms of things to say about the deck. This is like my favorite deck archetype, and it's cool to see a cool deck like this put together. So, good stuff. Um, I love to see uh, one one sort of final comment before I move on to my deck. Uh, I love to see expressive iteration in here as a better version of Telling Time, which is a card that I habitually ran for a long time because it's such a the flavor text on it is so good. Uh, it's uh. True power is when uh, telling time changes from what time is it to, or like, telling time, it, essentially it's like, I tell time what to do, I'm the boss, fuck you. It's, I, I love that card so much. Um, wow, that's some crazy flavor text right there. I can't believe. Shut up. Dang. I can't believe they're right, yeah. Now, now we wait while I Google it. Now, now we wait because anyway, y'all no. are going to suck. Uh, two, two things while Eric's Googling. Uh, one, Oak. Feel free to take this deck too. I mean, I made it for Eric, but I'm not going to say you can't steal it. So if you want to make your own little version, uh, Trev, I included Stormkiller Artist in this after you have incessantly told him to told me to put him in several decks. And I said no, but I figured being able to chain spells with his uh, Magecraft ability would be useful. Oh, it's super good. I, I think what's, so, what, what's funny, uh, Lamholt Recontour, the, the werewolf that pings, it's so weird to see that on a werewolf that's like, Oh no! If you don't play two spells, I'll flip into something good. Um, but it, it it's actively also trying to get you to play as many spells as possible. So it's like once in a while the, the the turn will line up and the moons will will be there and you get two damage. But it's just like an odd sort of non bow in abilities. But it's definitely good for this this archetype. Um. Anyway, the flavor text yeah. on telling times mastery is achieved when telling time becomes telling time what to do, which very good. I think I like your version. It sounds better. a lot better when you read it like that. <laughs> um, oh shit! Anyway, disagree. As I'm sure we've all figured out, I had Oak. Another deck for Chev? No, it's not <laughs> actually a second deck for Chev. Would have been hilarious though if you would just put your name on the list twice. Uh, <laughs> no, see what would happen though is he would have put his name on the list twice, and I would not have been on the list. That's what would have happened. That's true. I got Oak, and Oak's descriptions were interesting. Uh, his first requirement was. He wants a really lore-heavy commander. He wants someone who, you know, has a lot of connection to, like, old magic lore and therefore is an older card, which means understated, overcosted, and generally pretty freaking bad. Uh, <laughs> but they're cool. And so yeah. uh, his, his I was like, all right, I can work with that. We, we can just kind of throw someone in the command zone for colors. It'll be fine. They'll live there. It'll be great. Uh and then the second requirement was, I want to play fair magic. And I was like, well, what do you mean by that? And Oakley felt free to elaborate. <laughs> no excessive ramp. No extra turns. No infinite combos. Uh, no broken mechanics, which to me includes things like Storm, things like Cascade, uh, things like alternate wind conditions. Uh, and then Oak was like, but like, make it good, though. <laughs> 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 and... 
I was like, all right, well, I, I guess I can try. Um, I, my, my notes re- reflect this by saying Oak's Christmas list and then having the things that you want and then verdict, naughty. <laughs> this is a spicy <laughs> brew. Coal. I am up to the challenge. You have not received coal. You through the through the iron forged work. You have received a, a diamond in the rough. I Hell hope. yeah. Um, this is not in your usual colors. Uh, we are working with Half Dane, uh, who is an Esper uh, shapeshifter. Oh, what does this card even do? Half Dane is one an Esper for a uh, legendary creature shapeshifter three three. At the beginning of your upkeep, Half Dane's power and toughness become equal to the power and toughness of target creature other than Half Dane until the end of your next upkeep. So, the lore behind Half Dane is essentially. For several books, he went around impersonating, turning into, and murdering people. He's a bad guy <laughs> who does bad things. He is you know, a good, villain. fair magic. <laughs> oh, man. Um, awesome. Listen, murder, murder is the fairest card that I know. So, what we have done with that is we have built a deck of powerful people who Halfdane can turn into, and uh, other shapeshifters who can make use of those same abilities, because... Half Dane, like, sure, he's a four-mana sort of clone. That's not the most on-rate thing. If he dies once or twice, we're probably not looking to bring him back into play. Um, The general game plan that we are going to work with here is essentially uh, we're going to try and control the early game. We're a clone deck trying to work towards powerful in-game creatures, and we're not, like, doing anything broken in terms of, like, fast artifact mana or anything like that. So we got to play some removal. we got to hold off the floodgates a little bit. And then... As soon as we can, with what, I, in my opinion, is a fair amount of artifact ramp, uh, play one of our larger threats, and then use Halfdane and other clones to essentially multiply how threatening that is. Um, the best part about this deck plan is because, or one of my favorite parts about this plan is that I put in threats that I think are cool and I think that Oakley would enjoy. However, you can feel free to be like, Close but not quite. Sub in your own threats and keep the rest of the shell, and the deck will still work fine. Um, and then once we've achieved the board state of half Dane and some clones, we essentially just sit there and protect that and make sure that no one's going to ruin our board state while we beat people over the face. I will admit, I'm going to throw this out there right now so that no one else sort of sneaks it in there. I have included a card that I think might some might call unfair, two of them. Soren Markov and the ability to set people's life total to 10, and Magister Sphinx and people's, the ability to set people's life total to 10. In my opinion, 10 life is more than enough to work with. That's fair. You get what you get and you don't get upset. Uh, <laughs> it, you're not dead. You're not dead immediately. I just spent six mana playing a 5-5. Five five, or seven mana playing a 5-5 five five even. Live your life. But uh, that that is one thing that uh, in test hands, one of my... Uh, favorite things that ended up happening was uh, Magister Sphinx into uh, Tempt with Reflections, where you say, I'm going to clone this Magister Sphinx. Would anyone else like one? And the answer is <laughs> unanimous, oh god, no. <laughs> or, yes, I need a flying 5-5 five five right now. Um, and as soon as two people take one, you may as well take one. It's it's kind of over. Um well, that that's just that's just now everyone everyone is at ten. Game reset. Ten right. everyone's at ten, and everyone has a flying five five except for you. You have four of them. <laughs> that's True. a nice cheap uh, 
almost kicked right of rip, which we're also running. Um, early game control, we're running a lot of typical stuff, counterspell, arcane denial, um, and then also some, some more reasonable removal, uh, you know, like despark, uh, mortify. Oblation's just a fun one that I threw in there because I think it's an interesting card. And again, this is Rich, this is Richard Garfield's match. We're playing, we're playing fair cards. I'm not going to just remove your thing and give you nothing. We're going to give you a little something on top. Um, then we also have a lot of creatures that I think scale really well. Uh, one of my favorite finds in here is Ludovic's Test Subject. Uh, it's one of the few things we can get out early, establish our board presence, and build towards as a threat. Uh, one game, uh, I was able to play uh, like Test Subject, Ramp, Half Dane, Ramp, turn the Test Subject like on the upkeep of like turn 5 or 6, and then I just had two 13-13s. And things get out of hand really quickly. Uh, in that same test hand, I managed to drop a Helm of the Host, which works quite well with Half Dane, because just kind of poops out more uh, your biggest stats, and that's just good. Uh, but notably, Helm of the Host also, uh, Oak Sword of Stress, it has to work without the commander, and so a lot of the things here are sort of that backup plan. So a lot of the clone cards we have... Um, including things like uh, Evil Twin, uh, Gigantoplasm, uh, Phyrexian Metamorph, uh, Spark Double, uh, Tempt with Reflections, which I already called out. Those cards all exist to sort of help back up our plan of copying big threats. Uh, the big threats I chose to include are, again, sort of some of those scaling creatures, uh, but also things that literally like scale throughout the game in terms of uh, getting larger as time goes on. So Sphinx of the Megosi, uh, oh, what is it? Walking Archive was one that I think I really enjoyed putting in here because, again, it's it gives something to your opponents but also gives something to you and also scales as a threat and gets bigger throughout the game. Uh, Tromocratus, though, is a card that, if you can clone a card in this deck, I think cloning Tromocratus is the coolest one because... Tromocratus can only be blocked if it is blocked by everything, which means each opponent can block a maximum of one. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the basic that's summary wild. of the game plan for this deck. Uh, it's pretty straightforward, again, because there's there's nothing really tricky going on here. It's a deck that's pretty upfront about what it wants to do. And uh, yeah, I, I, I was happy with the game plan and, and uh, happy with how it shook out. And just for, well, I would have done this for any of you, but just for Oakley, there are 36 whole lands in the deck. Oh, my man. <laughs> Thank you. You beautiful, beautiful <laughs> bastard. Well, okay, so the first thing I want to say, like, blanket statement, the, deck's, the deck is sweet. Now let me elaborate why. Um, first of all, Half Dane. I've never heard of this guy before. I was expecting, like, uh, Johan or, like, Adam Oakenshield or something like that. Half Dane, and it's a really cool card. This is exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> also, I just gotta point out the flavor text on Half Dane is so f fucking funny. <laughs> Hail from Talaria, the ever changing Dane. Like, it's nickname is Dane. Like, that was what people called him in college. <laughs> the ever changing Dane. It's like, ah, that's Dane. <laughs> you know, change it into people and killing them again. <laughs> Um, Classic Dane. So that's awesome. That's like probably the, some of the best uh, lore I could ask for um, in Magic. Uh, the second thing is I, I didn't want to put 
not a red deck <laughs> in the um, description. Maybe I should have, <laughs> but I'm glad you sort of went that route anyways, because I always like to see decks um, that, you know, when people when I, people have made decks for me, which, like, we've done a few of these sort of events in the past. Um, I think the one Julian made for me last, I don't remember exactly when it was, was like an Abzan deck, and it was just Abzan, go huge, partners. It was cool. <clears throat> um, and this deck yeah. is very cool uh, in a similar sense. It's... Uh, puts me very much out of my comfort zone. And I think maybe even... I think, honestly, every deck here, except for maybe the one I made for Chev, is, is sort of follows that pattern, which is awesome. Um, puts you out of your comfort zone or puts them out of their comfort zone? You know what I mean. The person playing yeah. <laughs> um, None of these decks have red. <laughs> hey, mine had red. Hey, my deck had red. Oh, yeah, I guess the one I received, not mine. <laughs> you know, um... Third thing is, I'm glad that um, uh, I'm glad that cloning is a big sort of like aspect of this deck. I've always thought cloning and magic is a really just like fun mechanic, um, mostly because it, it's cool for decks that provide a sort of avenue for like an improvised win condition. Uh, if, if that makes sense, like you, you can kind of uh, control or uh, de- decide what you're going to do based on like the state of the game, and it could totally change like depending on what decks you're up against and stuff like that. So, you know, I, obviously I love to see, like, Phyrexian Metamorph. Um, Mirage Mirror is another sweet inclusion uh, as well. Um, and yeah, uh, honestly, at, at the end of it all, I appreciate more than anything just the, again, the honesty of the deck. You know, I, I think 10 life's pretty fair to have, because, you know, like, you, I mean, it was you're fair. You're not dead yet. Yeah, 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 come on. Yeah, I, I mean, like, in a normal game of Magic, you'd only be, like, half your life. I mean, like, you know, maybe maybe someone's at one, and you just boost them up to ten. You know, that's exactly. a nice little favor. Um, you, you never know. So, uh, I, I think that's great. I, I don't consider that an egregious breach of that clause <laughs> um, by any means. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I see you put Selfless Spirit in there. That's one of my favorites. Dagon. Oh, we got Mother of Runes, too. Oh yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Um, Dakon Blackblade. Yeah, Eric. For, you know, yeah, Dakon. That's pretty spicy. Blackblade. Dak's another big scaler. He gets big. Yep. He does. He gets huge, and Half Dane gets half as huge. Good old, good old Dane. Half Dane um, gets gets fully as huge, right? Do you think? <laughs> do Oakley? Do you think he's called Dane in college because that's half the letters of Half Dane? Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> I Brother. feel. I feel like this would have been the set to do something ridiculous yep. like that. Oh, you're you're totally right. I I Eric, I must be because I read the word half like a million times on Half Dane's card, but I thought his power and toughness became half yeah, another that's what target. I thought, no, he's actually playable. Yeah, like, yeah, he's it's like it's the full thing. That's crazy. Um that the, yeah, that's awesome. And then he gets to like transform into something else. That's sweet. Yeah, Dax Dax a great target for that cuz he just gets he just gets huge. Um yeah, he must be Dane because that's half of Half Dane. That's <laughs> That's probably what they were actually going for that, not like it's like some normal His guy. college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, good old Dane. <laughs> and again, um, the cool thing about Half Dane, you don't... Yep. I put I built this deck mostly around targeting your own stuff with your clone effects and with Half Dane, but yep. you can always target your opponent's stuff sort of as you were saying. Yep. You can vary it depending on the game state. So if someone comes at you with something really unfair... <laughs> this deck scales to match. That's right. And yeah, so that, yeah. That was a big part of why I went with Half Dane and why I went with a cloning theme is because mm-hmm. what's fairer than the cards you're playing? What really is That's... fair? Mm-hmm. 
I, if you've brought it to the table, then it must be fair. And so yep. you can just play whatever toxic shit people are throwing at you right back at them. <laughs> yeah, and if you want to bring this deck to like a low-powered table, then it scales right down to it. That's awesome. <laughs> that's that's another yeah, just great thing about the whole clones. I love it. Um, yeah, I guess in terms of um, just like real quick two cards I want to highlight from this. Um, Fractured Identity is a perfect just like, well, you brought it here, you know, like, well, you brought that Eldrazi Titan. I mean, like, you, you don't mind if everyone else has one, right? <laughs> and like, you know, <laughs> yeah, surely you must be okay with other people playing it. And um, as uh, Chev put in Julian's deck, Painful Truths is a card I really like. Um, I used to... Um, I've seen play in a, f a few decks in Modern, which I think is really cool. Uh, not as much more recently after MH2, but um, yeah, big fan of that one. It's like up there with Read the Bones. I, I consider it as good as Read the Bones in a three-color deck, where you can get that full three for three. I very specifically love Painful Truths in three-color decks, exactly, because it's mm -hmm. just... You, you are getting exactly the most value you can out of it. Yep. So yeah, I mean, overall, um, deck is sweet. I uh, would love to play it sometime, and uh, thank you very much, Eric. Hell yeah. I'm excited to see, uh, if you do end up making any changes to it, what sort of uh, top end you throw in there. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. I got some ideas. I got some ideas. Nice. I'm excited to see. Sick. All around. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know about you guys, but I thoroughly enjoyed every single one of these decks. Um, and even though I loved my deck, the, de or the deck that was gifted to me, every time y'all quote unquote unwrapped your decks, I was like, damn, kind of <laughs> I like the idea of you so, giving uh, me a deck and being like, damn, wish I gave that to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exa yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, we're going to, I think these are going to be uh, part of our rotation for, for game nights for the next, next few ones. So we can kind of get a, a real feel of them. So we will. I'm sure we will uh, report back to the listeners how things went and what inevitably was broken. Um, probably the deck that Chev gave me, considering it's ju it's just a filthy. It's basically just a filthy birthing pod list, really. Um, so, might as it just doesn't have birthing pod in it. But <laughs> we can add that, can we? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that'll be. I'm, I'm super excited. I don't know about you guys. I no, I do know you guys are. I, you don't even have to answer that. That's a rhetorical question. So. On a scale of one to yes, this is something that our listeners should do with their playgroups. Yes, absolutely. Every, I'll, yep. I'll go first. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, no, I just think this is just a super fun. Not only is it good in terms of uh, a deck building exercise for you to kind of, you know, just build the deck, right? Obviously, you have to construct something that's good and you theoretically, you want to give your friends a good deck, right? We could have We could have done like the, the meme one where we give each other really crappy decks that like don't do anything or like some weird, like ev everyone on the art is like, you know, smiling, like <laughs> ladies looking left. Their left arm or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Triple I love L. ladies looking left. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And plus also it's just, it's, uh, it's cool to try and get into the headspace of your people. And, um, obviously if you try and do this, you can understand what it is that you're, uh, your compatriots in your in your in your pod or your playgroup or whatever enjoy about magic, and if you understand that, then that can kind of help everyone have a more fun and cohesive play experience. Mm -hmm. Because you know, 
that's just how that works. <laughs> I, I just realized that I that was that was my whole statement, even though I set it up that there was like some big revelation at the end. That's uh, that's it. But anyway, yeah. Um, check us out in next year when we do this again. <laughs> and not until then. Right? Get well. like, <laughs> not, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, what? Well, what? What other? You know, I guess unless maybe we have like a. We got New like Year's resolutions too coming up, I assume. Oh yeah, I mean we got that stuff, but like in terms of like this, this uh, building decks for each other, what what when what is the what when when else would we be exchanging presents? I don't know. Episode one hundred, right. probably. Oak's birthday gift swap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. We could do like a a birthday a birthday cast where we just we're just like. Happy birthday to us. Let's give ourselves some presents. Let's, <laughs> let's go. I, Here's this card I bought. I don't know. Sweet. But yeah, we are just rambling. Um, Hex Drinkers on all platforms, whether that's uh, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Twitch, Instagram, Twitter, hexdrinkers at gmail.com if you want to hit us uh, with a more extended thought. And of course, if you like what we're doing, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash hexdrinkers for as little as $1 cast. You get access to uh, the full rambling uh, version of this podcast, a bunch of extra goodies, um, as well as we will actually help you uh, deck tech something and even talk about it on the cast. So if you want us to basically uh, gift you a deck or at least assist you in uh, creating your own deck, um, Patreon is where it's, where it's at. So definitely hit us up there. Thanks for listening and happy holidays. <laughs>